This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Jacob Spoonley is uh, is with us now. Um, Jacob, uh, well, the All Whites got the job done. What did you make of the win? Well, I'm a little bit... Oh, sorry, boys. Ricardo. Um, because I also, I also did the hard yards. I had to come in from Milford. <laughs> um, so that's not been mentioned anywhere this morning. Uh, and Piney's, as per usual, stealing the headlines. So yeah. I'm feeling a little bit undervalued. Um, were there roadworks on Shakespeare Road? Did that make it hard to get yeah. to Penrose? There were road, there were road, the motorway was shut. I had to go through Newmarket. It was, it was arduous. Uh, arduous, mate. Oh, mate, thanks for taking the time out. I'm surprised you're not crashed out somewhere asleep at Sky headquarters. <laughs> oh, mate, it's great. Absolutely buzzing off that result. Um, I think going into it, there's obviously a little bit of anxiety, not necessarily in the team, but just around the place. comes down to 90 minutes. It's dependent on referee, uh, how how the boys go out there, the, the performance of the Solomon Islands, and they did have some really explosive talents. We nullified um, a lot of the threats from the Solomon Islands, and then the boys went out and put on probably the most assured 90 minutes of the qualification tournament, and we are now 90 minutes away from Qatar, and that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it's a very good feeling, mate. Um, uh, on that, I mean, it was, I mean, we won 5-0, right? So we can't complain about the referee yeah. too much, I don't think. But we did have a non-Oceania well, I referee. I thought he was good, Ricardo. Uh, you did? I thought he was good, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought there were a couple of... I mean, you know, get, goalkeepers are an overprotected species. I don't know how um, Nando's goal didn't count because Logan Rogerson, all he did was jump with the keeper. He never even touched him. So I don't know how that gets ruled out. And, I mean, how many times... Uh, did Alex Grieve get put into the stands and uh, Solomon's players not get carded? That was true. And I think what we were concerned about is in, um, as a, as a referee that was going to grab attention by potentially producing a red card um, in an excited fashion or uh, one that would miss the large thing. And I appreciate there were some things that probably could have been uh, improved on. And I think we made that point in the commentary box that Logan did nothing more than challenge for the ball uh, so it was unfortunate that Nando couldn't get his first goal to make it 6-0 for the All-Whites. We appreciate the point. Um, I think uh, managed the game really well inside the first 15 minutes to take a lot of the uh, the energy in terms of the, the worst of the tackles out of the game. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I know Danny was uh, pretty vocal on the sideline with the uh, the assistant. I tell you, that guy will have tinnitus um, tonight. 
um, after after <laughs> having a stand there. But uh, uh, he obviously wasn't too happy. But I mean, you've got to be happy with the result. 5-0. I've got to say, at the beginning of qualifying, um, you know, I looked at the group that New Zealand had and I thought, well, Fiji could be a danger. They've got some players playing at a reasonable level. They've got, of course, Roy Christian is always going to be a danger. Um, and then New Caledonia, you know, they've got some guys who play uh, in like the third tier of French football, things like that. Um, but I, th- I thought that Papua New Guinea would pre- be the gimme of the group, but it turned out to be the toughest game. I mean, I think what we have seen from this is that uh, football mm. in Oceania is getting the level is getting higher, and those teams that used to be quite open because they just played football like you'd play park football are now playing structured football, and they know how to they know how to set themselves up to make life difficult for teams. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think as a whole, Oceania is definitely lifting its game. There's a lot more investment going in off the field into facilities, into coaches, into um, structures around the game. So we're starting to see that natural talent that we've been aware of for so long in Oceania be supported, and that's fantastic. In terms of what we saw on the pitch today, I think there's some really exciting talent in that Solomon Islands team. We're familiar with the likes of Nicolia Alafa, who was the captain for the Solomon Islands. He's played for Auckland City, was over in Maritzburg with Dan Morgan um, uh, in South Africa. Uh, so he's a guy that's played at a decent professional level, and you could see his touches at times today were fantastic. But the absolute diamonds in the rough if you can even call him that, is uh, Raphael Leia. Um, uh, sorry, Lee, Lee I, sorry, I could pronounce that properly. Um, he's an 18-year-old kid coming off that right wing. He caused uh, a couple of headaches for Francis de Vries and Nando Pinnacca, but they managed him and marshaled him fairly well. But in the other games of the tournament, he's been such a bright spark. He's connected with the Wellington Phoenix Academy, so I hope that they hang on to him and get him, um, get him involved in developing him so he's ready to go into the first team because he is probably the next one off the next cab off the ranks after Roy Krishna and Benji Dettori in terms of an Oceania player that we could see in the A-League. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to seeing how he develops and whether or not the Phoenix do grab him, mate. Um, now, from a, a, an all-whites point of view, Danny, of course, uh, in this game, uh, Danny Hay, the coach, made the call not to start Winston Reid or Liberato Kikache because of yellow card trouble. Basically, if they'd got a yellow in this game, they would be suspended for the game against uh, Costa Rica. Um, I mean, at the time, I guess it, it's a tough call to make, but in the end of the day, the right one. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it speaks to the confidence that Danny's got in the wider pool of players. Yes, he's got the squad that uh, in there and he's got to pick a, an 11 from them. Um, and he did so in a way in which kind of uh, protected uh, Winston and Libby, um, albeit meaning that they didn't play. But that trust that he has um, and the trust that the players have in each other uh, was on show with that decision. So they were looking longer term... They expect this group to perform and they expect to be in that conversation for Qatar in June. Now, we, <laughs> it's obvious that um, when you're going to control this, those sorts of things, there's an anxiety that comes with it from those in the media and I suppose a lot of football fans. We want to see our best players playing on the most important games. But Danny managed things really well and demonstrated that this is a generation that has in a really exciting depth. There's variety in there. And there's also the levels of trust. Uh, so he expects the players that he puts out on the field to go and do the job for any given 90 minutes. Yeah, and we've seen, obviously, that de- that depth has been well and truly tested. And he's you know going to need it because uh, we've got a, a, a pretty tough opponent in uh, Costa Rica. Uh, they recently beat Canada, who up to that point were unbeaten in CONCACAF qualifying and have won CONCACAF qualifying. Uh, these guys... 
not to be taken lightly. Uh, I mean, they might not have uh, the big star names of you know if we had had to play a Peru or, or, or someone, but I mean that Concacaf region is a, is, a, is a tough region to get out of. And you look at some of the names they do have: Joel Campbell, the ex-Arsenal player; Kayla Navis, the keeper at PSG, and you know Brian Oviedo and, and Brian Ruiz, who have both played in the Premier League for Everton and Fulham. Yeah, um, I think there's a, a kind of like a similarity between that now 2010 always, and that they're a pretty grizzled uh, lot of professional footballers. So they've been in and around the game for a while. They've all been connected or at least played at a decent level, and that's uh, a new challenge that this always seems going to have to overcome. Uh, they are a little bit unpredictable in terms of the way they attack. Obviously, Joel Campbell, such an explosive talent um, with Arsenal back in the day. Um, they do have a fluidity going forward. Uh, but the important point is that they are rather predictable at the back. They go with the back four, I believe. Um, it is really structured. And so that'll be, allow Danny some time to get his head around the way in which he wants to attack this Costa Rican side. Now, we got into it a little bit on the broadcast. And I am in favour of the 3-4-3. I think it suits the, the dynamic players that we do have. And it allows for a balance between the dynamicism and the creativity. Um, but Danny can actually keep the Costa Rican... Costa Ricans guessing, and I don't think it was the main point during this tournament, but it's definitely a byproduct of it. That if you look at any of our games, Danny has changed the tactics every time, and he's used different players for different effects. He put a lot of trust in Alex Greaves and Logan Rogerson this morning, but that was to provide the team with energy uh, off the back of playing the semi-final, but also to provide the team with energy attacking-wise. They're very willing runners in behind, and he wanted to stretch the Solomon Islands. He also wanted to counter-press, to put them under pressure, to not let them get the ball into the likes of Mikalia Alafa, uh, Jose Nawo, uh, and uh, Rafael Lea. So that gives an indication of the trust that we talked about, um, but also the fact that there's a real practical and pragmatism about the way in which he sets up his team and the variety to keep an opposition guessing about what he's going to do. If he goes to a three-four-three, that would that would suggest to me that Tim Payne doesn't play because um, he's definitely more of a fullback than a wingback. So, who do you see in a three-four-three playing on the right side? Well, I think Payne can play as a wingback. He's got the engine for a Ricardo. I know what you're saying in terms of he's more probably playing at the moment for club like he's either a fullback, a traditional fullback, or a centre back. So, the other natural position that you could put him as is the right centre back in front of the back three. Mm-hmm. So. But Bill Sullivan did a fantastic job this morning. And the other point is that Nando Pinnaker did well down the left, particularly with the ball. They not only combined quite nicely underneath at times, albeit that New Zealand didn't always unlock the Solomon Islands through the middle, but then they got that ball wide. And I actually think we looked rather threatening. Um, the end product needs to probably come about a bit more regularly, but we looked really threatening down the wings. And that was one of the things that um, I really did enjoy this morning. There was something else that uh, Danny needs to consider. We've talked about depth, of course, and, and options. Um, this squad has gone through uh, this qualifying campaign without Ryan Thomas or Marco Rojas. Uh, where do you see them sitting? I mean, uh, uh, is it going to be open doors? Are they going to be welcomed back? Uh, or given that they have put club career before country, Danny will stick with the guys that have, uh, that have made the sacrifices? Add to that, Sarpreet Singh and Michael Boxall. And look, the conversations around um, players being released for this tournament were difficult because you had the out-of-tournament component and the in-tournament component. And you're always going to have a decent chunk of players for that in-tournament component. So it wasn't necessarily a case of the players themselves not being available um, for the in-window in uh, chunk of the tournament. It was that Danny probably had a lot more options 
for that in tournament. He was also thinking about how that interacted with the out-of-tournament part. So there was a lot of thinking that went on behind closed doors in that regard. I don't think it's just a case of the players not making themselves available. Um, I believe that a lot, uh, the largest chunk of players wanted to be there, they wanted to be involved, and they did everything they possibly could um, to get involved in some form. Uh, so what we really need to think, what Danny's going to have to think about, it's going to be an absolute headache for him, is who he goes with. In terms of the players that have been involved in this tournament, but also to your point, Ricardo, do you go with somebody that um, hasn't been involved in this tournament? And in Ryan Thomas's case and Marco Rojas's case, they haven't been involved because of injury and other factors for this preparation period over 2001 and 2000, uh, 2021 and 2022. Jesus Christ, I just subjected 20 years, Ricardo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a question that he's going to have to answer. Um, do, do I, have they done enough in their club environments for me to bring them in ahead of another player? I don't have an answer for that, and that's really why Danny's got the big bucks and is the all-whites coach. He's going to have to make those decisions. Yeah, he's got some big decisions to make, all right, Jacob. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, what he does. And, I mean, I know Sarpreet's uh, had groin injuries, and, and so that's ruled him out, but he has played some of this. Ryan Thomas has been gone for a lot longer. Marco Rojas, as far as I'm aware, is, is fit, though, so I wasn't sure about that one. That was a bit of a head-scratcher because uh, he seemed like the perfect, uh, you know, you just swap him and Sarpreet in and out, and, and away you go. Uh, before we do let you mm-hmm. go, though, we should uh, talk Phoenix last night, 3-0 win against the Brisbane Roar. Um, you, you, when you say you've won 3-0, you think, oh, yeah, OK, man of the match is going to be a striker or a midfielder. But, man, Ollie Sale, uh, the the guy, so many savings through Ollie Sale that Briscoes are probably going to try and sign him in the off-season, you'd have to think. <laughs> oh, how long have you had that in your back pocket for? Oh, I, I came up with it last night watching the game. Good, good. <laughs> um, Ollie Sell by the man of the match last night. And more to that point, I think I've given him man of the match five or six times over the course of this season. And that adds up to a fairly significant chunk. I think it's over a third of the games that they've played because they've played, they've got a lot of catch-up games to go. So that gives you an indication as to the form that he's in at the moment. I had the chance to see Ollie up in Qatar and... He is looking so confident. He's so balanced in a lot of the techniques that he's got. He waits on the ball. There's no snatching involved with him. When he makes a decision to come off his line, it's so assured. He is really um, <clears throat> putting the question to Danny about the number one and challenging mm-hmm. Steph Amarinovich, who's held that position for a while now. So Ollie is somebody that if he keeps his performances up, he's contracted to the Phoenix next year, but there might be every... Um, every inkling that people will be looking at him and being very interested in what he's doing because the A-League has established itself as a bit of a breeding ground for goalkeepers. We see Danny Vukovic, Lawrence Thomas, they've gone overseas. Um, and then players have come back to the A-League as well and the likes of um, Nathan Coe, Jess Van Stratton, who played at such a high level overseas. So um, I'm sure that there, there will be people monitoring Ollie, and it'll be very exciting for him to be involved not only in the All Whites, but also in discussions around potentially his club football. Yeah, it's interesting, mate. Uh, just before I let you go, personally, if uh, the Costa Rica game was tomorrow, Ollie would be my number one. Who would who would you be putting in? <sighs> it's re- it's tight. It's very very tight. Um, Stefan's doing well over in Israel. He's in a very challenging club environment. He's got that maturity, that experience. He's played in an intercontinental playoff game before in that sort of pressure cooker, the 90 minutes to get you to um, a World Cup. Ollie um, is bringing wonderful form in. To be honest, 
I wouldn't want to make a decision. Um, and uh, Jonathan Gould and Danny Hay are going to be the ones that, again, are going to have to put their heads together. And Ricardo, to completely dodge the question, this is going to be the conversation that happens, not only with the squad, but I think with every single player. In terms of players that are nailed on, I think you've got Chris Wood and Winston Reid. Uh, Joe Bell probably comes into that conversation. And then from there, uh, it's going to be a decision about what fits the team most appropriately and what they're trying to uh, execute against Costa Rica. Yeah, all right. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays. It's kind of got a feeling of, uh, you know, a Richard Wilson, Frank Van Haddam from 82 kind of feeling uh, about uh, Salem Marinovic. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. But, uh, hey, Jacob, thanks for your time today, mate. I know uh, you've had a big day already, but I uh, really appreciate it. Go well and uh, talk football again with you soon, eh? Yeah, no problem, mate. Just make sure when you're talking about Piney and Future, just something that Jacob Sterling also had to come across from the North Shore and, uh, you know, his coffee was cold by the time he got there. So, uh, you know, I think they're both equal, Ricardo. I think they're both equal. <laughs> uh, they, they quite possibly could be. Quite possibly could be. And that's, not, and that's without talking about Fred Young having to get off his fishing boat uh, to get in there as well. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Go well, Spoons. Love you, Luke, brother. Thank you very much for having me. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.